Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360, a multidisciplinary medical information network. Dr. Charles Flexner is here to speak with us today about a symposium in which he participated at ID Week 2022, titled Managing HIV Patients with Limited Treatment Options. Dr. Flexner is a professor of international health at the Bloomberg School for Public Health and a professor of infectious diseases and clinical pharmacology at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Flexner. Could you please provide us with an overview of this session? We're going to have a one-hour symposium, which will include my colleagues, Dan Karitskas and Monica Gandhi, talking about how to deal with patients with HIV infection who either are having a difficult time having their viral load suppressed to below the limit of detection, or people who have difficulty because they're on a very complex medical regimen and there are questions about how to optimize adherence, reduce side effects, and prevent drug-drug interactions with such a complex regimen. And these are pretty common problems for the HIV practitioner these days. What should a clinician's approach to managing a patient with HIV with limited treatment options be, and how does one go about choosing a new treatment regimen? Well, the first step is to discern which drugs the patient's virus has retained sensitivity to. And fortunately, because we have so many new agents, we can almost always come up with a two or three drug regimen to which the patient's virus is likely to respond. So for example, the drug fostemzivir that was recently approved for oral administration, many patients who are heavily treatment experienced and have multidrug resistant virus will respond to that drug. In addition, patients who have never received an integrase inhibitor have that available to them as an option. Or even if they failed therapy on a first generation integrase inhibitor like Elvitegravir or Raltegravir, they may retain some level of sensitivity to Dalyategravir or Bictegravir. And so those drugs, I think, provide options for heavily treatment experienced patients that we did not have access to until very recently. Another recently approved drug that some patients may benefit from is ivolizumab, which is a drug that blocks the binding of HIV to one of its receptors. That drug, however, has to be given intravenously every two weeks, and that may be inconvenient for some patients. But if it's a drug you need, then it's a drug you may have access to and you may benefit from. And then finally, there are investigational drugs out there that do not share uh, cross resistance with other approved classes of antiretroviral drugs. For example, lenacapavir, the capsid assembly inhibitor being developed by Gilead does not share overlapping resistance with any other class of antiretroviral drug and represents a possible drug to be used in this patient population. Now, in your expert opinion, what must providers be aware of when understanding the underlying processes that caused previous treatment failures? Well, it's been the case for a number of years, and it is still the case that almost all patients who have failed multiple classes of anti-HIV drugs 
have done so because of some degree of non-adherence. And so it's very important when you're beginning a new regimen with such a patient that you understand the situation that may have contributed to their non-adherence in the first place. And that can include things like their social milieu, as well as underlying mental illness or substance use. And so it's very important first and foremost to get a handle on those issues to the best of your ability before even attempting to treat such a patient with a new regimen. Once you begin therapy, it's important to counsel such a patient on the importance of strict adherence to their new regimen so they don't wind up six months or a year from now in the same place they were at the outset of their treatment with their new regimen. Yeah, that's something that we hear of a lot when talking about non-adherence with clinicians. What would you say is next for research on the management of HIV patients with limited treatment options? I think the first and foremost issue of interest to most of us is the ability to use long-acting injectable formulations, for example, cabotegravir, rilpivirine, or the drug I just mentioned, lenacapavir, in this patient population. I think many of us believe that this may be the best way to circumvent non-adherence with daily oral therapy for many of our patients. And so I think a lot of us are looking forward to the possibility of understanding the benefits of long-acting parenteral therapy in this patient population. That includes considerations of drugs with very long dosing intervals, like lenacapavir, which will be given in the maintenance phase as a subcutaneous injection every six months. But there are also long-acting, broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibodies that could be given as an intravenous infusion every three to six months. And these kinds of treatments, I think, will only continue to improve and should provide a new way to manage these difficult-to-treat patients. What would you say are the overall take-home messages from our conversation today and also from your presentation? If a clinician is leaving your session, what do you want them to take home? I think, number one, there is an optimistic message about the potential benefit of new formulations and new drug classes for the management of heavily treatment-experienced patients and patients who are having a difficult time, in whom we are having a difficult time, suppressing their HIV viral load. In addition, I think we have a good understanding of the underlying cause of treatment failure in most cases, and that is non-adherence. And there are a number of improving ways to manage the non-adherent patient, both in terms of assistance from family and from staff and clinics, smart devices and reminders on cell phones, for example, and other ways to make sure that the patient is actually taking the medication they've been prescribed. And then finally, there are a number of web-based and smartphone-based technologies that can help manage these complex patients. For example, smartphone apps to understand and manage potential drug-drug interactions involving antiretrovirals and other drugs in a complex medical regimen. And I think we're going to become accustomed to using these kinds of technologies more and more to manage the difficult to treat patient. Dr. Flexner, we so much appreciate you being on the podcast today. Is there anything else that you'd like to cover that you believe we missed? I think that although people often feel a sense of despair 
when trying to understand the best way forward for such a patient. I think the number of options for treating and managing such a patient really are growing, and I think the future looks quite bright. Well, thank you again. Thanks, Jessica. It was great to be here.